Hello, everyone. Welcome to Cinematic Underdogs. I'm your host, Jordan Puga. And I'm your other host, Paul Keelan. And we're back. We're tackling Untold yet again. And this time, we're moving from Johnny Manziel to none other than Jake Paul, the other problem child. And that whole moniker, problem child, I think is the perfect place to start. Because like Manziel, Jake Paul is, quote unquote, a problem child. But unlike him, I think that he is anything actually but a problem child for the most part. He, of course, has some problematic aspects in his career that we won't gloss over. But as an athlete, as someone who's committed to the craft, he is one of the most remarkable sports figures of the 21st century. I'll even say that, like if he continues on this path too, it's a little too early to jump the gun on that. But he is as if Michael Jordan was successful in baseball. And beyond (laughs) that, he's not a necessarily preternatural talent like Michael Jordan. He's not like a, one of the greatest athletes of all time. So like it would somewhat make sense. Oh, he's the opposite of that. Yeah, yeah. That's his stick is he doesn't care that he's not the greatest athlete of all time. He wants to go against the greatest athletes in their respective fields. I think it's important as we get into this, because like you're mentioning Johnny, Johnny Menzel. He wanted to get into the league with the greatest talents in his field. He didn't want to play against the greatest talents in his field. We find out at the end of that documentary. Uh, Jake Paul's the opposite. He gets in, watch, dips his toes in the water. Like you said, he, he excels. And we'll talk about that in this episode for sure. Let's kind of start here. Like, where are you in terms of like, how do you know about Jake Paul? We're a little post uh, YouTube. We're post YouTube in terms of we're still of the celebrities through Hollywood, music, the traditional means of uh, media, right? And Jake's like the one of the early YouTubers, right? Uh, yeah. So where, where are you in terms of like, how'd you come into his career? Because he has an interesting career. He's in a lot of stuff in terms of different fields, but which, where'd you get introduced to him from? Yeah, excellent question to start it off. First of all, me and Jordan were raised on YouTube. Like we spent our entire high school watching like Taking Back Sunday live videos. YouTube was an extension of Kazaa for me at first. Yeah. I was yeah. like, wow, I get all these videos. I just spent hours downloading right here. Yeah, <laughs> but the era of YouTube as like this influencer content creation platform was after us and after our days of watching YouTube and home as a high school kid. I feel like the demographic for YouTube skews quite younger. And we were either in the local Cineplex, reading a book, or in a college class by the time a lot of these creators and influencers became household names. So I was always kind of like, who the hell is this? When I would see Jake Paul and Logan Paul in the tabloids. And I do remember circa, I don't know, 2015, 16, I don't quite know the year when I started seeing their name pop up again and again. And I I remember I had just been to Japan. I'd just taken a trip, overnight bus ride to Mount Fuji. I remember waking up, the sun's coming up, and we're, we're driving through the highway that's overlooking what's called uh, in, in Anglophone translation, the suicide forest. Uh-huh. starts with an A. It's a long name. I don't want to botch it. There's a movie called Sea of Trees. It's really bad with Matthew McConaughey. Um, sadly bad. It shouldn't be bad. I think it's got a pretty stellar like team around that movie. But anyways, it was a bust. It's known. like if you, There's a Vice documentary on this forest. Uh-huh. And I know that they got in huge trouble because they showed a person hanging from a tree, which is very common there. That's why they went there. That's why everyone goes there. It's uh-huh. this place where a lot of Japanese people go to commit suicide. It's very dark and it has a sort of spiritual presence. People think it has a ghostly presence. It's kind of a haunted forest. 
And I think that was the first huge blip on their career was the fact that they kept that in their video and it turned them into public enemy, like number one. And they were already ripe for it because they're like corn fed, blonde haired, blue eyed, white cis males. This was when culture was like hating their prototypes and they're kind of douchey. They love pranks. They are perfect to be the enemy number one of 2016 and on. And I totally get it. And a lot of it's very warranted. They are kind of all those things Uh and they just fed into it. At first, I think they tried to fight it. And what's so fascinating about this untold documentary is how they flipped the script to Mm -hmm. kind of feed in to being public enemy number one. So we'll definitely talk about that. I think that is the most fascinating thing is how both of them, both of Logan, right, is the older one. Mm -hmm. And Jake, like you said, take these narratives and either honestly make you forget about them, right? They build it as part of their mythology. It's an interesting thing they got going for him too. I don't think Johnny Menzel really had that. That's one thing I didn't leave with the documentary, like the mythology of Johnny Menzel. Yeah. This one I got to give Jake Paul credit for. Like you said, I can see where you make that comparison. It's a bold statement. I get where you're saying like him trying to be like a Muhammad Ali figure, right? Uh, trying to be more of an, both an entertainer and an athlete. And understanding how those two are, it can't be separated. Um, and not every athlete or entertainer gets that. And I think that's the, the really thing I was locking in on is that he seems to really understand that idea and know how to flex it and massage it and turn it into, into reality. I was like, yeah, that's one thing I find I re- definitely respect about uh, Jake Paul. But for me, uh, I'm kind of with you. That's one of the ones I remember for Logan and him kind of, I think, I guess I know him a little bit earlier because I, I don't live too far from West Hollywood. So like, I remember when this was a little bit after Bieber, I guess, because I always remember Bieber always getting yelled at for his neighbors didn't like him because he partied too hard and all that. So I remember that period, right? Yeah. And I feel like they were just like the next one in that kind of what I call like the TMZ kind of story chain uh, mm-hmm. that you kind of see, right? I was like, who's these YouTubers? And I remember everyone hated them. Their neighbors hated them was the big story. And they talked <laughs> about them in the documentary. I really remember yeah. that. It was always on my little like local news where I get my cup of coffee in the morning and come up on my feed. Uh, it was just that typical kind of like entertainment story that was just getting that coverage at that time. And I was always like, you know, was, I didn't know who he was, though. Then Logan, I remember, because I believe he was dating um, the girl who plays uh, Quake in Ages of S.H.I.E.L.D. So I kind of knew him kind of tangentially from that. I'm like, oh, she's dating some, you know, I think they're married now. Like, she's married to him. Yeah, he's all, they're always just these YouTubers for me. Uh, but then when they really came on the scene was when they had that fight with both of them with the KSI and that other guy in London. Because if you listen to this podcast, I'm a big MMA fan. I remember all the MMA people on any MMA podcast, it'd be something I got covered because they're all making fun of it. Right. I was definitely one of the ones at that time. Like, you're like, I'm not going to watch. I don't even know who they are. But I I was also thinking like, it's kind of cool that a lot of people are going to watch boxing though. Even I'm sure boxing is like at that time, the doctor does talk about boxing was not on the radar. Uh, This is when the Floyd Mather wasn't fighting really. I think he was retired at this time, just doing the exhibition thing, which he still does. Pacquiao is, Mm -hmm. you know, already kind of just doing whatever. So there's no big fights really other than like, you know, Wilder and uh, Fury, Tyson Fury. But that's when he kind of came on, right, as like a joke. And then he'd just be sprinkled into that world of MMA for me. And then the Askren one was the big one because that was the one where like it goes through where he, you know, double the toes, he beat Askren. And that was when he just became part of the zeitgeist and that's when he was in continuous stream for me in terms of in terms of you know and then the news feed yeah i i also want to tell our listeners that we've been talking text messaging and all that about jake paul i think for the past like year slowly it's kind of a continuous thing where we're both kind of astounded by his success and quietly impressed because as someone who's very peripheral i just know he's got this like dark cloud over him 
Mm-hmm. And I didn't quite fully know why. So you just know it's kind of taboo to like him yeah. in some degrees. And so it's like, I don't want to overly be supportive of someone I don't even really know too much of the contours of their career. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like I would see him on an ESPN spot and do an interview. Yeah. And I'm just like utterly impressed. Yeah. Just at every answer, just his attitude, his his fierceness, his like promotional acumen. Mm-hmm. Um and then I would see clips and I'm like, this kid's a boxer. Like he's good. Mm-hmm. And then I would see, oh, he knocked this guy out. Oh, he knocked this guy. Oh, he, he fought this MMA star. And yep. like, you know, just put him out cold in the first round. I'm just getting blown away quietly and realizing like, this is a crazy story of transformation. Like he has yeah. reinvented himself in the public eye under a microscope. And it's amazing. And also like, on that vein, uh, Again, that's just in the boxing world, right? The way he kind of goes into the, like I said, the fields themselves, the way he goes, like for me, when he really came on the radar when I, besides his obvious boxing talent, when he beat Askren and particularly beat Woodley, I can't understand why so many people still like, just were like disrespecting him as a boxer. Like he knocked out Tyrone Woodley, like, you know, and fought him twice. You got to give him credit. But was when he went after Dana White though, on behalf of Dana White's employees. And I, I just loved it. His arguments were sound. He was using this the same kind of toolbox that GSP had tried to get fighters on board with, and they all pushed against him. But I love the way he actually got a rise out of Dana, who's someone who's pretty good at just deflecting and deflecting and deflecting. And he actually got Dana to engage and make Dana eat his words. I love that. Someone who does not like Dana White as the head of the UFC. He instantly became a great anti-hero for me. He was this guy who like, I didn't like as a fan of anything because I don't understand YouTube content very much. But right when I saw his, like some of those they show with him trolling Dana White and stuff, I could see why he was a draw, right? And I love how this has features of like Don King and how it throws back to like the big fights of the 80s and 90s with Tyson and how those had to be sold. Obviously it was awesome seeing Tyson destroy people in less than a minute, right? But it was all about the buildup. It was all about him saying he's going to, you know, kill your family and eat your face and all that shit, whatever. You know, Tyson Tyson was always crazy on the microphone, right? But I mean, Jake Paul isn't that virtually violent, but he's that aggressive and bold. I love the, the, this is another one that I'll top my mind was when he tried to get Tyson Fury to put his purse on the line. When mm-hmm. everyone said you can't box a boxer. I really, again, he, he does a good job of actually taking the narratives of what you can't do and just riding with him and putting him in the forefront of the people who are saying that about him and getting them to flinch. And I, that's a great thing. Like the idea that Tyson Fury wouldn't take that right away. Right. After all the shit talk, it just, it builds up so well for what he's doing. Um, so even if like speaking candidly, I mean, if I never buy one of his pay-per-views, I'm still aware of it. I'm still clicking the headlines. It's still getting like the traffic. And I find that so like fascinating because like you said, it's such a short span of time. It's become a legitimate competitor where the UFC now has to make whatever fight he's fighting on Saturday, obviously they're going to compete, but it's a shit fight, right? Something you're going to forget about, right? And again, he made them flinch. He made the UFC turn its hand, right? Because he's he's made himself an actual competitor. And in that regard, like, like we'll get into, he is just such a master brander, like master at storytelling and master at diverting these narratives into cash machines. And seeing it over time, like I said, something I chirped in the beginning and didn't really respect, but now I'm like, you can't not respect it. 
right? And I think this documentary does a great job and made me even more, as I said, like just observer on the outside, give you context of him as a person, as a person within a family. That's the other thing is that he's always tied to the brother. That's everything we kind of know tangentially as a, as a viewer, right? But this really goes into that. And I think it's, again, it fleshes out his character more. It also fleshes out his personality in a way that makes him approachable. But it's, it's a perfect like cherry to go on top of his last fight, but he just had with Diaz. It came out at the right time. It still casts him as the bad boy, right? But it's a bad boy now you can root for a little harder. I'm thinking his next fight, he's not going to have as many fuck you, Jake Pauls, right? I think there's going to be a, a few people rooting for him. So I, I do like that. As someone who, like I said, who was on the opposite end of the fence when he showed up. Mm-hmm. This is the documentary I think is good for people who were like that. Who still have to give him a chance because he still hasn't got a fair chance, I think, from a lot of a lot of people. So this is one of those documentaries that gives him a really fair shake. And I was super impressed by that, uh, how I left with this one. Yeah. And I I, want to first put out that I'll be, I think, skewing quite positive during this entire, I guess, analysis of of this Untold episode. But you have to be a little suspicious about these master promoters who keep talking about how they know how to shape stories and storylines to craft something sexy, right? And they are aware of the camera the whole time. These kids know how to handle the camera. I think there's a line that Logan says, uh, I forget exactly what it is, but it's like, if you put media and desire and money together, we're there. Like it's us. And I'm paraphrasing, but these are content creators. These are entrepreneurial giants. They're very savvy and they are constantly trying to sell something and pitch something. So like, you know, the Jordan documentary, right? Mm. The last dance. You can tell they had their hands in this and it was fine tuned. You could tell from the early speech that Logan Paul gives before a fight, he brings up Netflix in it, right? They bring up Netflix cameras being on a few times. He's shaping a narrative, but I've seen a lot of hot takes that this is just like propaganda, you know, in a hagiographic depiction. Yeah, sure. But like, you can't fake the side montages, the clips. You can't fake his feud with Dana White. When Dana White comes on and says that Silva is the GOAT, and laughs at the idea of Jake Paul even stepping in the ring with him and then says he's going to get knocked out in the first round. And then it, the opposite happens. It's just yeah. like, it's, I don't That's even say like as someone who said things like yeah. that, yeah. like I'm saying, like, it's, 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 it's a reconfirmation. It's one thing like as someone, like I said, who was like a hater of him. I'm like, this dude has it obviously. And like him adding to it, it's just, it's, it's almost like a confirmation of the narrative you don't want to believe. Um, but like we are talking about in sports narratives can shape and ruin careers they can raise careers right and he's written this narrative a lot further than i ever expected it to go yeah despite the results right despite having such positive results and him being like a master that especially in a sport like boxing any combat sport like when you lose even a split decision you know you, you generally it's harder to build up but he didn't have that issue right like the other thing he has is like you're talking about with the charisma the athletic helmet he has a built-in followership Right. He has these numbers through, like I said, YouTube, Twitter, whatever it is that either hate him or whatever. They just want to see him. Right. And that just keeps him so prolific no matter what he's doing. Uh, and he's reached it in a way that his brother couldn't. I think that's something the documentary goes into, too. But it's just undeniable result. Right. Despite people, you know, despising the result. But it's there. <laughs> I love that the documentary really like pounds at home. Yeah, no, it, it's hilarious. Every letterbox review, a little bit because it's like nerds versus jocks still, like always, right? Is like a one star. Yeah. yeah, it's like a one star review of this. And, you know, it's also a little bit of like cinephile culture versus influencer culture, which 
it's quite interesting too. Like I've had a big week of thinking about YouTube creators and I'm, I'm going to go very quickly on a digression, but there's this movie in theater, a horror movie that's like kicking ass right now. And it's called um, Talk to Me. And it's by two Australian YouTube content creators. And I listened to an hour long interview with them. And it was really fascinating to hear them talk about how YouTube is this amazing resource for like real artists in our age. It gives you a subscriber base. It gives you a following base. Like if you're a nobody, if you're a kid with brains and ambition, and you don't have the inside connections, if you're not a Nepo baby, like that's the way to go. Like you build your subscriber base and guess what? Suddenly all the studios want you because you already have a built-in audience. Same thing for Jake Paul we're seeing here, right? He built this empire on YouTube and he was able to terraform that empire or segue his career, pivot, transform himself and take that with him, even though he went through some major bumps along the way, right? And they are from this era where you've seen a lot of these people. Bo Burnham, he's really, you know, with Inside, that documentary. He was a YouTube content creator. He's okay. a fascinating artist today. And I'm not trying to say Logan Paul and Jake Paul are fascinating artists, but I think they're very interesting human beings, almost for their maximalism, just <laughs> their gaudiness. But Jake in particular is an amazing sports story. And so it's just such a joke to me that... To this day, everyone was discrediting it, even from that point of view. Like one of the top reviews was someone saying that he's a total con man. He's a hoax. Every fight is rigged. He'll lose the next fight against, uh, which which is the one that just happened against Nate Diaz, uh, yes. which was funny because he posted it. And then now it's flooded with comments, which I love about uh -huh. like this, this aged really well, right? <laughs> but anyways, this cognitive dissonance that he has created is captured really well. And a lot of it, it's justified. Like when you see Oscar De La Hoya skeptical and dubious about the idea of a YouTuber trying to like be a quote unquote boxer, we've seen it a million times. It's, it feels false. Like, yes, it actually deserves to be kind of ridiculed and mocked, especially mm -hmm. by the old guard who are traditionalists. They love their sport, you know, like Oscar De La Hoya, and they don't want it to be turned into a circus act for sure. And what's so amazing though is that he's subverting this step by step. He's putting in the hours, man. This kid transformed his body. He's got it. You see him in the ring. I think the most impressive fight was the fight he lost, the nine rounds he went with Tommy Fury. Like mm -hmm. to be able to go blow for blow with a boxer of that caliber who's been training his whole life, there's almost no sport in which you can get on board after like 15 or 16, after mm -hmm. 18. And truly enter the upper echelon of you're just lost too many years. Those formative years are so important. And that's where Elder Fury, who I love, who's the one who actually, <laughs> when his son backed down from the, from the all or nothing, yeah. uh, John, he, John Fury, right? He was the one who jumped on board and was like, all right, we'll take it. I love that. Mm -hmm. It just showed how much of a coward his kid was in a way, Tommy. Sorry, but like he looked really bad there. I get it. It's a yeah. big moment, it's, but it's, I'm with you because like to quote Shell Sutton, I remember when um McGregor is gonna fight Mayweather, we're leaning up to it. He's like, if Mayweather doesn't knock him out, it's an embarrassment, right? Because it's like if it's Prime McGregor, he needs to go choke him out in the first round. It shouldn't be any other way. And that's the pressure that goes in on on that pro athlete. And I, I love that because I'm I'm with you. It's it's such a narrative, right? That it should be that way. That's the way it has to be because they're the master at it or whatever. But like, like you see in that fight, it's, it's a fight. Like, and I think that's something that always blows my mind, especially from the MMA community, because that's the whole point of mixed martial arts was the, let me talk about old school UFC was you put them in there and see which style, you know, was the best. But it was the idea is that all of them were the best. You had to use them all because they're all a fight. They could all end it. 
right? You can all lose it anyway. So it's always blowing my mind that um, even like you said, the old guard could have such nonchalantness, even after he's shown already that one, he has the drive, he has the skill, but he has the resources and he's using them just for that. That's one thing that always blew my mind because it's the biggest issue in MMA and personally boxing. If you're not the highest level is the money. Right. And here's a guy who has all the money he needs because he's already success, highly successful and he's using it to do this. Right. To actually further his career, like like opposite of Johnny Menzel. He's using his big cash day to really, you know, extend those skills. And I just it always blows my mind that people don't see that connection or really like acknowledge that connection that, you know, that's and he's using it. Like, like I, I said, I, I like about it to call it out that inequity in, in MMA through UFC and pointing it out that he's making these pro fighters, these legends, more money fighting him than they have throughout their careers. And it's just, like I said, these undeniable numbers and figures that he keeps throwing back at both the sport and Dana White, I think, is where I kind of like have to just like applaud him, right? Yeah. Because there's a lot of pressure on him to do all that because it all comes with winning, right? Once he loses, he loses that platform. He has to figure out you know, the next the next strategy. But like I said, the fact that he's this far and he has, still has a lot of ways to go, it's interesting where you can go with it it's such a fascinating story it is and the fact that he's now won enough fights against prominent names and he's kind of slowly stepped up that ladder and the fact that he went toe to toe it was i think a six or nine to one split decision i forget what the exact split decision was so obviously for the experts he lost but it came down to a vote just the fact that he lasted he like got a he got a punch on fear i think in the seventh round that sent him to his knees yes he knocked him down he got a bunch i I don't know it's a long fight they edited it but it looked like both of them got pretty banged up during that fight like it looked like they were a pretty decent match for one another you know i'm sure fury knocks out most of his opponents i know he's like one of the top dogs so his brother is that's the other thing like 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 i said like he has a lot of credit because he's kind of writing his family name it's expected of him to be as good as his brother. That's again, that's fucking crazy. His brother's a six wow. foot seven giant who moves like moves like he's 185 pounds. You know, it's like that, that's why I, I love the part when his dad has to take it for him mm-hmm. because it's such a real moment. Because we look at these people as larger than life, and they're just men. You know, there's regular people. You know, it's all talk. It's, I mean, Jake Paul does a great job talking, but like you do see the fear that goes into this sport. It's not like prominent for Jake Paul, but they did get some behind the scenes moments between the Anderson Silva fight and the Tyson Fury fight, where I think he's really hard to take it seriously because it's become a reality where he's, he's, he's beating two MMA dudes. This is a big challenge. And you actually see him kind of pausing backstage and like, you know, the, the tensions and whatnot. But yeah, like, again, such a, such a ballsy moment, big moment again, in the myth of Jake Paul getting to like still lose the battle, but still win the war really like, right. That fight is still viable. It's probably the next fight. I think people want to see from him. Yeah. I mean, we get John Fury talking about how now they're like two families, you know, eternally (laughs) aligned boys now. (laughs) Yeah. That was really kind of heartwarming to see too, though, that like, yeah, they, they, they're mass promoters, marketers. They know how to manipulate the narrative. They put on like a show talk a bunch of trash in front of the cameras, but they were backstage just like giddy to meet them. Uh, you know what I mean? Logan and, and Jake, when they were hanging out with John Fury, they were like, they were little boys, like hanging out with their celebrity. Right. I, I love that little scene. And you can see the respect they do have for the sport. It's really funny too, right now. Cause I think Logan's doing, which makes sense. Like the WWE, he's like, yeah. he's a wrestler. Right. So he like shows up at the Nate Diaz fight last week in his costume still 
he just like took a flight from, I think like Detroit to wherever the fight was. And obviously he could change. I think as you can see from this documentary, he's the one who is constantly aware of product placement. The dude's wearing his sports drink on every single shot. He's got it positioned right in front of the camera, right? Prime, which I've read there's the caffeinated one is being like uh, investigated because it's so high in caffeine. Like the FDA is worried about it. Actually, on that same point, one of the best parts in the documentaries in like the first interview with like Jake Paul, he's like, yeah, man, ready to do this fight, ready to go. He gets a cramp in his legs, like, oh, I got a cramp. And uh, someone behind the camera is like, hey, man, did you drink your prime? He's like, I just drank a whole bottle. He's like, tell Logan that shit doesn't work. Which <laughs> was like, I love that they kept that in there. Like, such a such a good, like you said, trip at the product, but like the dynamic of their brothers are act- yeah. they're fucking real brothers. Like, yeah. it's not like what you're seeing is actual like brotherly animosity between them. Oh, yeah. And we talked a lot in the previous episode, the Jenny Manziel episode about family. The family dynamic here is fascinating. Jake is such a younger brother with a chip on his shoulder Mm -hmm. who is both chummy. He's good friends with his older brother. Like for the most part, I mean, I could recap the whole trajectory of their life, which they do in the episode, which is fascinating, right? Logan, who's really smart on creating these videos. You can tell he was the the first go-getter who really created the empire, to be honest. And Jake was always in his shadows, always in his coattails. And then they get in a feud. They become sort of rival influencers for like a good four or five years, right? They had a big vendetta against one another. And then they both get canceled and then they reconcile, right? And they do that fight that we already mentioned with uh, KSI, I think his name is. I forget their name. The the two British influencers. Yeah. And, you know, Logan loses, Jake wins. Jake cries after when Logan loses. Logan sees how much respect he has for him, but he also sees that his brother's got this unbelievable talent, this almost precocious talent, even though he's so old that you might not call it precocious. But And then you see suddenly Jake just turn into a tour de force, right? Mm -hmm. And throughout this, Logan balances it nicely. I think he's supportive. I think there's a tinge of envy. I think there's a tinge of like everyone else disbelief. Like how is my little brother doing this? Right. Uh And I think it's all there. I don't think like any of it is toxic at all. I think they have a good relationship. One of the more fraternal signs of bonding I saw actually was like Logan after, I guess what we hear is a huge fight between Jake and their father. Uh, I think it was at a birthday party where they get drunk and they're fighting over the domestic abuse their father put them through and the father's in denial of it. And he shows up at the next fight and Logan's actually the one that bring talk to the father. Be like, did you clear the space? Like you're here. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Everyone knows for boxers, the energy in that room before you go out in a fight, it's gotta be right. Like they, they, they focus on that a lot. He does all these like guided meditations and these visualizations. Yeah. Really into that, like, yeah. Uh, setting the, setting the zone for sure. And I like how they have a complex family and they don't like totally disavow their father yet or anything like he's still there like they're they, it's not like that they're just messy they're just totally mm-hmm. messy he obviously was kind of brutal they allude to it they don't go too into detail i believe them they don't sound like they're creating a fib and they also recognize that that made them who they are mm-hmm. you know what i mean it gave them that sort of like fire in their belly you know, he also seems like a strict disciplinarian, what Manzel never had, right? <laughs> so, <that's not> true. <laughs> um, so that's why they're very different problem childs. But but I found that family dynamic absolutely uh, riveting, to be honest, throughout just like the way they've navigated fame and fell under the like 
the dark spells of fame, <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, just the ebbs and flows of it. And to see how Jake uses, I think, a, a mixture of his maybe childhood trauma, his sort of younger sibling Napoleonic complex, <laughs> his clout, his business and content creation cleverness and just his drive mixed in with i think what's maybe the most uh rousing sequence of the thing is when we hear that he's canceled losing subscribers demonetized from youtube mm. depressed i don't know if they're overselling that he's suicidal or not because they mm. are myth makers and they probably want to go to the most nth degree yeah. but but they do push that out there and that's when he finds i think almost a spiritual connection to boxing right it's almost a divine intervention in his life and that's such a like sports movie moment it's such a sports movie narrative and that whole point when he like moves to puerto rico and he puts in the hours of work and he just talks about i always love when people just like really beautifully and poetically just talk about like just the affirmative life invigorating power of hard work it is so unbelievably rewarding and you can see that like he has all the money in the world. He could be, as someone said, drinking champagne on a yacht with a bunch of girls. But instead, he's just here in the ring sparring with these guys that are often like dumbing him or just putting in the grind day after day because like that's what's giving him purpose. That's what's giving him meaning. Love that. I love that stuff. And I was eating all of it up. Like this is super cool, super inspiring to me, despite all of the, I guess, excess baggage that comes with uh -huh. their names, right? And maybe that almost adds more to it for me because they just they have the look too. They're like Dog the Bounty Hunter or like the Tiger King guy or something. Yeah. And they're, they're just larger than life. They're so American to me. Everything you listed off here, like the, what this documentary for me did, I think it's intended to do it too. And it yeah. probably will. I don't know if people acknowledge it though. Is we look at them as like almost like these like bubblegum pop YouTube stars, right? Because like I, I didn't mm -hmm. even know he was a Disney kid. Like I just assumed he might be like a Disney star. Like they both looked like they was. He was on a Disney yeah. show, right? Like I said, yeah. I mixed him up with Bieber. I, I guess my wife said Bieber wasn't a Disney star. I assumed he was a Disney star. <laughs> See, that's what I'm saying. Like, like, you know, like they kind of fit in that in that thing, but like their background though is much more working class hardcore grindy story that you hear every fighter well, not every fighter but most fighters who succeed have something like that either they were abused like they got into lots of fights as kids right they you know they had something that attracted them to the gym usually to keep them from some other type of violence mm -hmm. um and that's like alluded to here and almost like confirmed because like you don't think of them like that at all right because that's the, that's the like i said the narrative is that these are just youtube guys right we don't know their background i don't know their fucking background until i saw this right and it gave me way more contextualizations. Like these are no different than any of these, especially like they all have crazy allegations of Google. A lot of these fucking UFC fighters are still fighting. All, all of them have, you know, these weird things that tie to what we would call scandalous to the depraved, something like that. But that's common in that sport. And that's something that they actually have. And that's something I didn't know, which makes sense. Why, like you said, boxing is an actual calling to him. Like I can get why that's actual real thing. Why, like I said, so many other fighters either have those qualities or fall into, like you said, those qualities of those particular circles of disputes and whatnot are very common. And I'm like, these guys are actually living the life of fighters, right? Of what, what we expect from them. So it was weirdly kind of uh, confirming them in that culture, right? And I think it actually does a job where I'm like, okay, like I can see why he pursued boxing instead of some other athletic pursuit that he could do solo, right? I feel like he has... The athletic talent, like, you know, he's a wrestler and all that stuff. I feel like he's, he has that skill to do this plan for something else. But to pick the one you get punched in the face, right? 
and actually do that, like, yeah, I, I can get that now uh, after seeing this, like the family, all that. It's very rough and it's much more rough around the edges than that YouTuber stepping in the ring against so-and-so. Uh, there's a lot more to that that I didn't realize was there. Absolutely, right? That That's what is brilliant about the maneuver for them. And that's what's a little murky, right? It's like they have stains on their lives and careers and real ones yeah. that seem legit. Um, not just the hijinks, right? Because they were a little bit of like a jackass crew, I think, in that YouTube yeah. house, which we covered earlier. But like they did a lot of wild stuff. Like they got raided by the FBI and they brought up a, out a ton of guns yeah. for one. But, you know, they like like you said, throwing mattresses in the pool on fire, just constant insanity. It was their was kind of their shtick. They were very much like Johnny Knoxville, you know, 2.0. You've watched their Japanese footage. It's I think the only footage I've seen. It slightly reminds me of like Eric Andre or Tom Green. <laughs> Tom Green's a great one because Tom Green, yeah. if, if anyone knows, like love Japan. I, I can picture him right now laying down at the bottom of the escalator so every person steps over him. I totally <laughs> forgot about that skin. I was thinking about the one where he went to Canada with Monica Lewinsky. Yeah. Right after the scandal, when did all the interviews and stuff is hilarious. Yeah. I'm not trying to say they're not obnoxious yeah. or didn't deserve to be canceled, quote unquote, but they also did survive that legally. They're not in jail or anything. They got it, like you said, they're rough around the like edges. A perfect sport where that is weirdly acceptable, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. It, it's, like I'm saying this as a positive and a negative. Like it's a sport where your past can be your past in a culture now where that's very hard to do once you've been shut, yeah. right? And it's one of those sports where you can get into it. And like I said, if you're successful, you can get a second chance. And a huge voice on this documentary is Mike Tyson. If you look into Mike Tyson's past, it's dark, right? Oh, yeah. A lot of these people come from dark upbringings. They lead dark, darker lives. I mean, it's a sport that's more of like prison mentality. It's, you know, bare knuckle fighting, basically. It's not bare knuckles, but like the extension of that, right? Yeah. And the fact is like, Mike Tyson's praise at the end says it all. I mean, he's himself a little hesitant at first, but by the end, he says that Jake is not the villain. He's the anti-hero. Yeah. He does he hero shit, but he doesn't go by hero's laws. And I think a little bit of that is true too. So like, maybe he's a little bit the, of the villain. Maybe he's a little bit of the problem child, but he's also a little bit of the anti-hero. And you get that, like whether it's his PR rep or or his own uh, acumen, he goes after the UFC for, and you've told me about this, so I was really fascinated to actually see it in detail, for their terrible treatment of a lot of their fighters. The fact that they receive like 15% of the cut of what they make, the fact that they don't have healthcare, um, the fact that they don't have a union to defend them, right? They're kind of like left out like to the slaughter, right? And he is, you know, we, we understand his incentive. He has a, a bone to pick with Dana White. And someone very, I think, astutely says that what is more brilliant than picking a bone with an entire sport and league. And that's what he did, right? He was like, became public enemy number one of, I guess, the UFC world, but not really too, because a lot of UFC fans like yourself don't like Dana White and actually appreciated his uh, animosity towards the league, right? And you can tell he probably he respects it. He respects all these people he's fighting. He's having the time of his life as well. But um, just you could see like that's very actually quote unquote woke. You know, sticking up for the underling, for the for the exploited class. 
And just little things like that, they they seem like they're really wisely reshaping their narrative. This week it came out, and I'm sure maybe they had some say in this that like another famous Twitcher or someone was like suicidal and he paid for all his stuff under the table to get like hospital treatment and stuff. Oh, wow. Just all these little acts of philanthropy and stuff oh. are coming out. And I'm like, okay, they're probably actually pulling the strings. The more the guy was saying that that he did this and didn't want any publicity made me think that he wanted publicity. <laughs> I'm not I'm not trying to be a gullible like dimwit here, but hey, like they're trying to be now, I think, a little bit of the anti-hero. I think that's fascinating. I think that mm. he first painted himself as the heel, right? The iconic heel. He's the villain. And I think they're trying to segue into this anti-hero role. And I'm very curious what's gonna come next. And I'm just really amped and stoked and hopeful that he doesn't like fall off. I want him to continue on this route. I don't want it to be a flash in the pan. Like he's kind of working on something like PFL, like the professional fighting league, which is like an MMA league. They're a competitor to UFC, but not a competitor. And I feel like that'd be really cool if he could use his influence there to implement what he's trying to do. Like I said, unionize the fighters closer to what, you know, the top four big sports are at, right? Uh, I like that he brings it up because I've always, as, like I said, going just for context, one of the reasons I'm not a big fan of Dana White is, you know, UFC's been sold for billions of dollars over at this point. He's made his money and it's still not a professional sport, right? It's still not, the, they got the number next to him, but they don't like number one doesn't fight number two always, et cetera. It's, it's never going to get to that until the fighters get their fair shake and actually can negotiate. And that's, that's what I hope happens. And I hope he actually follows through on that with this possible like contract he's hopefully going to have with them. Uh, the other thing that I think is interesting for me is just the fact that he's had to really intelligently and niftily find an avenue to get to where he's gotten to. And they talk a lot about that. There's this guy, Nikisa, I think, that, that one of the great sort of uh, edits in this episode, it was a brilliant move by the uh, whoever's editing this, was that they get someone to say that this, this uh, promoter behind the scenes never does interviews and then they cut directly to him doing the interview with yeah. untold i'm like that's such an og move. And I, that was the dude who was like one of the old business partners or founders of the ufc which i didn't know which again i was like made me think he's serious about like you know not necessarily doing all that but using those ties to make waves i was like he's really making these like the right connections and it was interesting to hear like just all their thought into figuring out his career path okay we need to fight this person at this level we need to like create you know as i already said earlier a ladder a stepping ladder mm -hmm. and we need to promote it this way we need to think about all the different audiences and constituents and how can we maximize this for profit because at the end of the day it is a business um, i also like the fact that mike tyson really understands that too you can see mike tyson's just so happy because like he's seen the business being brought we see a graph of the ufc on the rise for the past decade and a half and boxing just plummeting and what's weird though is they maybe to me personally overplay this idea of boxing being bad because like i don't even see him as a traditional boxer like he's uh, almost as much i get that he's boxing and not doing mma but he's like fighting mma stars so it's like he's a celebrity i yeah you can call it boxing it's just like for me like it's boxing back or is he a, a glitch in the matrix you know uh, what i mean because of who he is because of his youtube career and be just because of his his empire, his media empire. At the same time, I, I can understand why they're all quite pleased with the fact yeah. that it is boxing at the end of the day. It's a boxing ring. They're wearing boxing gloves and they're playing by the rules of boxing. And it's gaining numbers that are 
unreal for them in the past few decades. So uh, it must be quite enjoyable as well to see that he's getting to the degree where he can't be taken seriously. Right. At first, I think that probably pissed him off even more. Like, Oh, this is what's getting views now. This joke, you know, when he fights like Nate Robinson, for example, which I thought was a little more of a joke. Yeah. And, and they all say like, Oh, Nate's going to knock him out. Cause he's an athlete. But I'm like, I've actually stood quick anecdote next to Nate Robinson. When he played for Washington, I went to a UCLA game talking uh, like, I don't know, this must've been when I was 13 or 12. I think I was already taller than him. I'm very tall, but <laughs> he's tiny. He's a uh, small guy. He definitely is buff now, but he's not tall. Yeah. Um, and he doesn't have reach for an NBA star. So, I mean, it was such a smart candidate to pick. Yeah, right. But, uh, like, but Askren, like, yeah, he's, yeah, like you said, the strategy they use is like perfect. Very perfect. I'm just really interested to see where they go from here with this strategy, who he continues to fight. I want to see a rematch for Fury. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, probably not the wisest. If He doesn't probably want to lose twice in a row against the same guy. So he'll probably fight some other people first. But I'm sure that will come at some point. There's just too much of a, a moneymaker for them at this point. He has a lot of options. Like you said, he's tied to the Diaz brothers now. And like, mm-hmm. there's a talk of him doing fighting Nick in an MMA match, maybe. He would do it. <laughs> he's obviously showing like he's down. Like I don't doubt him. Like you know, what I mean, he seems to be a man of his word when he says this shit. Like that's one thing the documentary really got to take away from me. You have to respect like when he says these bold claims, uh, he'll follow up on them if you take him up on it. Yeah, like he has so many options. I remember. I'm really interested to see if this turns into like you said more of a boxing promotion hmm. where he gets another card with more like kind of like that last one. I know he has a, a couple of female boxers on there that he's really promoting, getting paid really well. But there's at some point like, when you see all the money there, you're going to want to go there just for that. I'm interested to see when when that point hits uh, or, if, or if it hits. Yeah, you brought up Amanda Serrano. That was a very yeah. quick little tidbit, but it was interesting. You know, when we watched another Untold episode, I'm blanking on her name. The one from like West Virginia who ends up like getting shot by her husband slash manager, right? Um, we learned all about the travails of female boxers and how hard it is to break through just economically, financially, uh, culturally. And so it's awesome what he's doing for her, for example. And it's just, it's hilarious the way they like pulled the rug from Dana White's feet at time and time again, every quote, like he dudes on steroids, the fights are rigged, blah, blah, blah. And then they just like cut to something that just like undermines what he's saying. He just Mm -hmm. looked like such a pansy. It was, it was pretty mean. I, if there's anyone I think who, who is not going to enjoy this, it's him. (laughs) Oh yeah. Uh, real. (laughs) Uh, the other thing that I think is pretty fascinating is just this idea of like the ultra wealthy being obsessed with, let me put an asterisk on that, the the, the very masculine ultra wealthy, Bezos, Zuckerberg. Mm-hmm. Musk isn't able to do it, but he still claims, oh, I do like, you know, jujitsu and all this shit. But they all like want to be buff. It's this like renaissance of yeah. like, that's the ideal, right? Like they're, they're all like trying the to- like the American gladiators. Like we put like turbo and all them, like they're just like super insecure dudes and that's why they have to have muscles. Mm-hmm. yeah totally it's very funny to me and he's the real deal though he's not like them but still oh. we see this like zuckerberg's hanging out with ufc you know hot shots and in the gym mm-hmm. every day bezos i've read a little bit about his like workout regiment too and that dude's he's ripped he looks like mr clean right <laughs> and it goes back to like rob mclemany his great tweet like you want to get a body like i did you have to hire a personal trainer you have to eat this you have to wake up you have to be a movie star <laughs> this body is what he says you know and mm-hmm. like we were talking we were talking about like you know 
I kind of like that with Jake Paul, like, you know, people who've made their egg, obviously billionaires at this point, like the shreds of, isn't quite the same struggle as your average Joe trying to do it, you know, the nine to five job or whatnot. Like you said, like the actual MMA fighters, you haven't made it yet, you know? Yeah. It's a funny microcosm of our culture as a whole. So mm-hmm. all things said, what would you rate this as an underdog or an overrated untold episode? Underdog for me. Yeah, I had low expectations. Like I said, like again, I'm I'm guilty of it. I had low expectations for a Jake Paul feature, and I should have known better, right? <laughs> like, yeah, but yeah, really illuminating. I didn't know uh, there's that much depth to him. Really rounded out more of the other side of what he's doing, and just like the grand scheme of his business, and seeing it not just a, a freak show, if you will, seeing it as actual like production, just like UFC and boxing. And like we talked about, the, the fact that it's still here, I think he has something, hope turns into something. There's always a market for people punching people in the face. Like we have bare knuckle boxing now, right? That's the other thing I, that's the other thing I forget again. Like that's just, MMA fighters go into that now. The ones who aren't stars, right? The ones who are stars and go into boxing, right? The idea, like I said, that there's something for fighters after fighting to do, because it's hard to make them stop, is always a good thing, unfortunately, because there's not a lot of safety nets out there for him. And this isn't a safety net, but it is something that they can make money when they still have that fire. Like that's one thing I didn't talk about. I was like, Anderson Silva, I was like, why I hated the idea that Anderson Silva was taking that fight. Cause I've been like, Anderson Silva needs to stop fighting for years. Mm-hmm. He's one of my favorite fighters of all time. But you know, I'm like, he, he needs the check. You know, he didn't make the money cause he never got to do the boxing crossovers. Cause he was prevented by Dana White and his prime. Right. He always wanted to fight Roy Jones Jr. He always wanted to do the super fight at GSP and Dana White never wanted that to happen. Right. But, you know, he gave that to Conor McGregor. So I was always felt bad for Anderson as an older guy having to do that after retirement. Right. Because that's that's where the money is. Like, you know, that's where the bag is. And it's always you know so disheartening that even like the big star like him, one of the greatest of all time, has to take on these kind of fights. But in that regard, though, also, like I said, there is not much for them out there. These commentary jobs are jokes with like the contracts they have with ESPN. Like it's trash. Like These are not like NFL and NBA level level things at all. So I think it's always good when there's more combat sports is my is my point. And I think that's something like most combat sports enthusiasts I think can agree on. And I think he's doing it right. That's one thing this, this documentary really shows is he's doing it like right. There's a lot of rival promotions out there. There's PFL, Bellator, you go to boxing, there's tons of IB, whatever, with Fs and all that stuff, right? But they're all hard to track. Here he's got this thing, but doesn't even really have a name, but it's very watchable. And I hope he builds it, innovates it into something that sticks around. One of the things for me that sticks out the most is that like they're still called grifters. They're still doubted, right? Mm-hmm. Specifically Jake. And he picked something that can't be faked like you can't fake putting in the grind you can't fake boxing it's like one of the most raw unvarnished vulnerable sports in the world you are man first man mono mono in a ring surrounded by people televised to millions <laughs> you can rig a fight right you can pay yeah. a guy to go down in the first or second round which maybe they did but like i don't think so but maybe they did whatever but by the end like you can't fake time and time again what he does to these these guys. I think that's why I think I was so impressed by the Tommy Fury one is a lot of them are first, second round knockouts, which are impressive. And he really knocks them out. Yeah. And there's almost no doubt when you see it that it's like he just knocked them out. Like no one famous like that's going to get paid to get knocked out. Like Nate Robinson, these guys are Ben Askren or whatever. But I don't know, maybe if the paycheck's big enough, I'm just being devil's advocate. Mm-hmm. You could have your conspiracy, fine. But going nine rounds with Tommy Fury really shows that like he's got the footwork. He's got the chin. He's got the toughness. He's got the mentality. 
You know, he's got the ayahuasca ceremonies. I love how they brought in like some so weird burner cultures and stuff, right? It's super funny. Oh, yeah. And and even if you don't like this from like a sports element, right? Here is one great review I found. I found one great one and it's, it's a beautiful synopsis about why this is just a excellent microcosm of Americana. It says, and I quote, I'm quoting a review from a letterbox. A truly bizarre and grotesquely lowbrow American multimedia epic of stupidity, fame, money, humiliation, public shaming, overcoming odds, subverting expectations, and ultimately triumphing through showmanship and comedic spectacle. This titanic buffoon revived a dying industry on his brawny tattooed shoulders. This is my favorite line right here. He's like a Lisa Frank golden retriever from hell. <laughs> That's like the best line you could ever That's review. Very well written. <laughs> uh, well written, well said, well summarized, right? Uh, my only added context to that, though, is that it treats him too much like a joke, too. This is that. It's kind of like the Tiger King in a little bit of a way. But it's also just a, a remarkable. Yeah. And from the right mentality, uh, pretty inspiring documentary. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, it's opposite, not opposite. It's online with uh, the Arnold doc mm-hmm. in terms of like a man, uh, self-made kind of, like you said, American hitting the American dream, but coming out from such different perspectives, both smart, but both aren't called smart. Right. I, I, I That's one thing I like. Like you said, it's inspiring. I love the angle you come at. It's just so it's like you said, it's a great piece of Americana. Only in um, America to quote Don King. <laughs> only in America, right? Boxing is a very American sport too. I'm not trying to say it's the American sport, but it just encapsulates capitalism, showmanship, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, our whole circus culture, which they talked about. Yeah, I love this one. So check it out. It's an underdog for me. Absolutely. Besides that, please engage with us. Any uh, tips on our audience members, Jordan, from you and like how to help us oh, out? Throw us out who you think Jake Paul should fight next. Actually, I want to hear who he should fight besides Tommy Theory and Nate Diaz. Who would be like a new opponent for him if he had to get like a fresh fight that wasn't like a rematch? That's what I want to know. Perfect. We I'll, I'll even tweet that out and see what we get. And uh, yeah, we'll do that instead. We don't want to bug you anymore. You can do whatever the hell you want with your lives. But thanks for listening to this one. <laughs> and if you liked it, keep listening. All right, man. That's it for me. I'm, I wish I could be holding up a prime drink. Maybe I'll go grab one. Uh, pull, <laughs> pull an all-nighter. <laughs> I hear that shit gives you cramps. I'm going to skip on it. Well, they have a coconut water one with electrolytes. I actually like went into research mode, but I want to try their like caffeine one. They're like monster on crack. Oh, like wow. monsters are already too much for me. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right. Take care, everyone. Peace.